Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Rollin Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this episode of CareCast, Rollin and I will talk about why the pro-life movement needs to be a pro-marriage movement and some promising new research to support those efforts. You know, Rollin, one of the things we love to talk about here and CareCast podcast. Love. Love to talk about, no yes. pun intended, is marriage. Yes, marriage. Marriage is a great uh, a great institution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was maybe Groucho Marx who said, you know, marriage is a great institution, but who wants to live in an institution? Right, uh, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But we're not here to make jokes about marriage because, no. we, because we do like marriage a lot. And the institution of marriage. And the institution and of marriage. And we are both living in the institution of marriage. We are in that, yes. Yeah. But, good, good stuff. And it's a wonderful thing. And... Um, you know, we, you know, obviously, you and I worked together at the National Fatherhood Initiative for many years, dating back to 2002, which mm-hmm. is 16 years ago. Yes. Um, and so we talked a lot about the importance of responsible fatherhood and healthy marriage and how that contributes to uh, better outcomes for, for children and, right. frankly, better outcomes for both men and women as well. Mm-hmm. They're healthier and happier and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but now that we're at CareNet, you know, we've, we've really tried to remind folks in, in a lot of different ways that this, you know, uh, the marriage issue is very intimately tied in with with the abortion issue. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think you've I've heard you talk about how you know the the abortion issue is is a marriage issue. Absolutely. And when you look at the data, that's what you find that eighty six percent of the women that have abortions are unmarried. And um, you know, in a lot of ways, um, uh, certainly uh, there are two aspects that we need to be talking about when we talk about the life issue. It's not just the sanctity of life which uh, folks tend to focus on the most, but there's also the sanctity of marriage and family consistent with God's design. And those two things are really linked together. And I think a comprehensive, pro-abundant mm-hmm. uh, life way of, of talking about the life issue is really linking those two together. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly here at CareNet uh, and, and in the public square, you don't hear us talking about the life issue without talking about a marriage and family. And a, and a big part of that is connected to you know the story that we use. That mm-hmm. I call it the nativity narrative of the birth mm-hmm. of Christ, Mary yeah. facing Mary facing an unplanned pregnancy from a human perspective. What did God do to make sure that her unplanned pregnancy wasn't a crisis pregnancy? Right. Sent an angel to Joseph, mm-hmm. and had two calls for Joseph to be a husband to her mm-hmm. and a father to the child growing inside of her. So you right. see in that narrative, which is in the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament, yep. what you actually see is the sanctity of marriage and family and the sanctity of life. Because the first thing the angel told Joseph was not to protect the child. That wasn't the first thing, mm-hmm. right? In right, humanity, exactly. I'd be thinking like, wow, first thing is like, she's carrying a Christ child, protect her. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. interesting. Order matters in scripture, Absolutely, right? There's yeah. the first commandment and then there's the 10th commandment. There's right. a reason for that. Right, right. <laughs> and the first thing the angel said was, do not be afraid to take Mary as your no, not wifey, baby mama, boo, mm-hmm. but right, your wife. Right, right. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So what you see in that story, uh, in that narrative, is the affirmation of the sanctity of marriage and family affirmed, mm-hmm. and then the sanctity of life. Then he told Joseph who Jesus was, yeah, that yeah, he would yeah. save his people from their sins. So yeah. you see this laced through in the social science data, mm-hmm. the, the importance of marriage and and the fact that when kids are raised by their married biological father and mother, they do better across every psychological, social, educational, uh, economic, and economic yeah. measurement of child well-being. It's just off the chart. Off so, the chart. and it's the same thing yeah. uh, that when a, a woman has a guy who says, "I will be a husband to you and a father to our child growing inside of you," guess what? She's more likely 
to bring that child into the world. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, we should be talking about marriage and linking marriage to the life issue because it actually is linked to the life issue, both from a biblical perspective and also from a social sciences perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and marriage, and it it sort of, uh, you know, is a a prevention mechanism for abortion, you know, basically on both ends because, you know, children who are raised by married parents are less likely to engage in risky sexual behaviors and become pregnant as teens. So therefore less likely to, you know, have the need to um, make a difficult pregnancy decision, as we, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. But then also children who are conceived by married parents are less likely to get aborted. Yes. Um, and so this, you know, there's, you know, we often kind of hear this, uh, this notion that um, are we sort of, you know, taking our eyes off the ball if yeah. we start talking about, you know, marriage rather than just focusing exclusively on, on you know, I guess, life? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but we, you know, we often argue that, um, you know, you you can't, you know, if we want to be as effective as possible um, in, in empowering individuals, families, mothers and fathers to choose life. Right. You know, you have to be talking about uh, about marriage. And, yeah. And just the central role that that plays in, in helping people, you know, make better decisions around a lot of things. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. And the other piece, too, is that when when marriages form, you're much less likely to have someone facing an unplanned pregnancy again. I mean, I right. look at my situation with uh, with my girlfriend at the time, uh, Yvette, who's my wife of, of 36 years, that we faced an unplanned pregnancy. We, uh, you know, chose to marry and got married, been married, and we only had one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. I think that's a real issue because we don't You want only had one sort of, quote, unplanned pregnancy. Unplanned pregnancy. Right, right, The right. other one I was bribed, I think, something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, the, yeah, so the, in other words, the second pregnancy was yes. not a, quote, crisis pregnancy because you were married. We were married, exactly. And the same thing happens with, yeah. with clients at pregnancy centers. Right. If, if, you know, and this is one of the things I always try to tell people because people sometimes get, get, get it twisted. Right. They're saying, well, what are you saying? Everyone should marry and yeah, that yeah. would solve everything. Yeah. That's not really what I'm saying. It's a principle here that you have to focus on, which is this. Certainly, wherever possible, we want to be encouraging that couple to form a high-quality, low-conflict, you know, God-honoring, God-honoring marriage as much as possible, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But we, I'm realistic and understand that's not possible all the time, and maybe she's not marriageable and maybe he's not marriageable. Mm-hmm. But even when that doesn't happen, what you want to have happen is for there to be a transfa- transformation, mm-hmm. a renewing of their mind mm-hmm. that relinks motherhood, fatherhood, sex, and marriage, mm-hmm. right? Because... If you don't do that, and even if she keeps the child, mm-hmm. but she's delinked those things, which is what's happened in the culture, which is why she's at the pregnancy center or, frankly, at the abortion clinic, because mm-hmm. those things have been delinked by the culture, and therefore now you're in this facing this unplanned pregnancy, and the child's at risk for abortion and all the issues related to that. So if, if those things are relinked in her mind, specifically for God's design yeah. for those things, and the next time that she has an opportunity to have sex with someone— mm-hmm. She's looking at it through the lens of God's design. I mean, that's why someone who's married, for example, wouldn't have sex with someone who's not, right, right, who's right. not their spouse. Why? Because right. when they look at that opportunity for sex, they they have fatherhood, motherhood, sex, and marriage consistent mm-hmm. with God's design linked together. Mm-hmm. And they look at that opportunity through that and say, you know what? This is not consistent mm-hmm. with that design. Therefore, I'm not going to take that situation. Therefore, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. uh, in a situation where I'm facing an unplanned pregnancy, that Absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so for a lot of different reasons— mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very, very um, important for uh, folks who who um, are in the pro-life movement, in our view, so the pro-abundant life movement, mm-hmm. to help have a healthy understanding 
of the importance of marriage yes. and be articulating mm. in the public square mm -hmm. this high idea of mm -hmm. marriage and God's design for it because, the, like I said, the social science data supports it, uh, but also certainly the biblical narrative and even the birth of Christ right. uh, really supports this the centrality and the importance uh, of, of marriage and, and its link to an unplanned pregnancy from a human perspective. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so the, actually the thing, the thing that sort of inspired us to have this conversation, uh, it wasn't completely random, which— is how a lot of things happen here in the Carecast podcast studio. Right, Just, right. Yeah, but th this time there was actually a good reason uh, for us to talk about this. Uh, there was recently a, a study that was released, um, an evaluation of some of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services uh, marriage and uh, fatherhood programs. So they have a the um, Healthy Marriage and Responsible Fatherhood Initiative, mm -hmm. which you and I are very familiar with. Uh, yes. We were part of that uh, back when we were at National Fatherhood Initiative. Um, so there's there are several. Uh, programs around the country that are being funded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And there were two in particular uh, that an evaluation was done on, the Bronx-based Supporting Healthy Relationships and the Healthy Opportunities for Marriage Enrichment Program in El Paso. Uh, so there was an evaluation, a very formal, scientifically rigorous evaluation done of those programs. And they found, the evaluation found that couples that took part in the relationship education programs, uh, there was a sig statistically significant increase um, mm -hmm. in they're staying together at a one-year follow-up, stay, staying married to each other uh, compared to a control group. So the people that the married couples that went through the program were more likely to be together after a one-year follow-up than couples that did not go through the program. Mm -hmm. So very encouraging sign uh, that 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 government funding is going towards programs that appear to be effective in helping folks stay uh, stay in healthy marriages. Um, they also found some other positive results in that evaluation. Uh, the, the couples reported higher levels of commitment to their spouse, improved co-parenting behaviors, and higher levels of affection, of affection, and also reports of domestic violence were one-third lower mm -hmm. in the treatment group versus those in the control group. Wow. So all really healthy markers uh, that you know healthier marriages and healthier relationships are taking part uh, taking place as a result of couples going through these programs. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And it really, from our standpoint, it, it really is something that bears out in the public square and, mm -hmm. and, and certainly common sense. And mm -hmm. and I think one of the things for me, you know, do, doing the fatherhood work that was at times a bit frustrating, mm -hmm. you know, people want to involve fatherhood, mm -hmm. right? And they wanted fathers to be more engaged, more involved, but didn't want to talk about marriage. Uh, yeah, and it was and, it was the M word, right? It, we don't talk about we don't that. talk about that. But the best societal glue to connect fathers to their kids heart to heart is actually marriage, yeah, because it connects fathers to the mothers of their kids yeah. heart to heart. And in that environment, he's much more likely to be there, mm -hmm. to be involved, mm -hmm. to be responsible, and mm -hmm. to be committed, mm -hmm. uh, because he's connected in a way that he is both linking the his his motivation around the issue mm -hmm. and also his location around the issue mm -hmm. together, which mm -hmm. marriage does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and certainly, as a result, you get higher participation mm -hmm. around father involvement and from that perspective. So, the Part study participation wrote, equals location plus motivation. I remember that. You it, wrote that on a board I, somewhere. I, I did, yeah. absolutely. And I, it's an equation that works. Yes, and, uh, I like it. It's and, good. And marriage is, the, marriage is really the location. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so we're, we're really excited about this. And, and again, as we've been talking about this for years and years and years, and we're just hopeful that uh, certainly mm -hmm. on the, from the life issue perspective mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. people start to really connect this as well. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. So, um, as always, we'll we'll keep folks posted on when uh, when things like this come out, uh, because you know you just it, these things don't make headlines. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking, we're always kind of talking in our in our country nowadays about reducing poverty and you know social justice issues and all these other things, and coming up with all these you know 
solutions, so-called, uh, yeah. to all these issues. And sometimes just something as simple as making sure that people are getting and staying married in healthy marriages is just an enormously effective solution for all of these things. Yep. And my hope is that that starts to make headlines that, hey, if you get and stay married yeah. before you have children, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. you're less likely to live in poverty. You're more likely to have a healthy relationship with the person that you either marry or don't marry. Obviously, in this case, get married to. Um, and it just produces better Kids outcomes. Kids are more likely to do better yeah. all the way around. So Exactly. Stuff. So big stuff. So, all right. Thank you, Roland. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the importance of marriage to the pro-abundant life movement. We hope you tune in to next week's CareCast.